Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 76 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Jason Swank, who shares how to use systems to grow your agency. Jason built his first agency, Solar Velocity, into a $13 million a year business before ultimately selling it, and now he shares his expertise with other agency owners. Having a system-oriented mindset is one of the most important traits that you can have to build a successful agency, and today we dive into exactly what that entails. In this episode, Jason shares why systems are so important, what specific systems matter the most, and how you can set them up so that they're actually followed. If you think a 20% margin is as good as it gets, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Jason Swank. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, you were back on, I think it was episode 18, a little over a year ago, and that was one of our most listened to episodes. So the bar is pretty high for your second time around. Oh, oh too, too much pressure. I'm sweating. <laughs> but for listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you share a little bit of your agency experience and what it is that you do today? Yeah. So, well, right now today I guide agencies through kind of a proven framework that allows them to grow their agency faster and easier. But, you know, back in 1999, yes, when Al Gore invented the internet, I, uh, created an agency. Well, it was a web shop. Let me just, I was literally going through the yellow pages, calling people being like, you want a website? And so quickly grew that and started hiring more and more people and started working with big brands like AT&T, Hitachi, LegalZoom, uh, Aflac, and doing all their websites for them. And then, uh, you know, 12 years later, people wanted to buy us and right time, right offer. And we said, cool. Didn't know what we wanted to do after, (laughs) (laughs) but but we're like, all right, here, we'll figure it out with this big check. So when you sold the agency, we don't need to dive too much into that, but when you sold the agency, I forget, did you have to work at the acquirer? Okay. I did. Yeah. So my, I had a two year tour duty and then uh, we were just lucky enough. So it was either a two-year tour duty or when the agency got sold again. And so we nine months later, we sold it. And so my tour duty was over and it was pretty cool. So then I got to go through two exits, benefit from two exits. And um, yeah, it was nice. Because I know that since then, you, you I'm sure you took a little bit of break and enjoyed yourself. But since then, you've really gone all in on developing systems and teaching what you've learned to help other agency owners kind of improve their own business and just build a better, more profitable, less stressful business. But what was that journey like? How how did you get into this line of work? Dude, it was hard. I mean, like literally, you know, I was like every other agency owner probably listening, right? You go, man, I'm doing service work. My clients stink. You know, I'm just drowning, right? I, you know, it's hard to make a profit, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the later years, we set up the right system. So we were we were making over, you know, 45% margins and growing really good, right? We were over eight figures and all that. And so, um, but when I sold, I was like, dude, I'm going to develop a product. Like, this is when Instagram just got bought for a billion dollars. I was like, I didn't get bought for a billion dollars. So I was like, that'd be kind of cool. And so... I wanted to develop an iPhone app. So I started working on an iPhone app, taking pictures of everything you eat, gives you a visualization, yada, yada. Boring is crap. I hated it, (laughs) 
right? And so what I realized was the grass is greener on the side you damn water, <laughs> right? Because I was like, dude, I like winning the big projects. And, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was writing a blog at the time, just writing about general business. Okay. And this will relate to the systems that we talk about in a little, in a little while, but I was just writing a, a general blog. No one was reading it other than my mother. Right. And like, I was like, I was so frustrated. I was like, why are people not reaching out to me? Like, you know, Gary Vanderchuk or some of these big guys. Right. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I was lucky enough, like anything else that I've ever done good is I kind of fell into it. But then when I fall into it, I realize I fell into something and I'm like, oh, I got it. And so my old competition that we used to beat out started asking me questions and I started helping them out for free and I absolutely loved it. And I was really, really good at it. I was like, man, my pain and suffering and and what I know about the agency world, even though I can't enter it yet right now, like I was wanting to create another one when my tour of duty was over. Was there a non-compete or what was yeah, it? Yeah, non-compete. Yeah. So I had a non-compete for a while and uh, I was waiting for that to, to stop and then I was going to start another one. But about, I guess about eight months before that, uh, you know, I started helping people out for free and I loved it. And then my wife kind of kicked me in the head and said, well, why don't you do this? like any smart wife. And, and, uh, I was like, okay, let me try it. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. Here I am. Yes. And so our, our whole intent now is to be the number one resource in the world for agency owners so they can grow faster and easier. And I mean, I know you're well on your way there. There's still a lot I'm sure you want to do. But one of the things that you really do stress in what you teach is the value of having strong systems in an agency. So just simply put, why are systems so important? You got to kind of look at the levels that you go through or the stages that you go through in a business, right? And so when you first start out, you're in kind of this fun stage, right? And you're like, dude, I just need to get more clients and it's fun and it's all depending on you. But then when you start getting more clients, it starts to get a little bit more complex, right? You have to bring on people and the people are constantly coming to you to make decisions because they don't know where you're going. <laughs> they don't have a process. You don't have the right systems in place, right? And the only way to get through um, what the predictable success model says, that's not my model. I can't remember who it is, but you're in the whitewater. The only way to get through it is with the right systems. So if you find yourself struggling and constantly, you know, overworking yourself and, you know, hitting that glass ceiling, Right. You don't have the right systems in the place because if you have the right systems in place, it's the difference between you struggling and growing or scaling. And when I talk about systems, I'm not talking about technology. I'm just talking about, you know, documentation and the right structure. It really starts with clarity. So a big problem that agencies have is they're relying on word of mouth, right? You, you talk to agency owners all, all day long, a lot of their business and their, their health and wellness is all depending on referrals, right? And it's just not scalable. And so then when they start to figure out like, well, how do I start generating leads? Well, they'll immediately go to like AdWords or Facebook. And, but they don't have the right foundation to build upon. And so the first system is really clarity. And if you think back, I know when I think back at any business I created, like I literally got my start from designing a website for um, making fun of one of my friends that looked like Justin Timberlake from NSYNC, <laughs> and I it was called in. So I got 
um, I started this website without the knowledge of where I wanted to go and people started asking me for it. So I didn't know what we wanted to grow into. I didn't know who I wanted to serve. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but people were giving me money. So I was just going wherever, right? So I didn't have that clarity and vision. And if you don't have that, your employees are going to make decisions based on what's better for them rather than what's better for the agency. And then also, too, if you don't have the clarity of who you're serving and you have that specialization or that niche that can really separate you from everybody else, you're not going to know how to position your agency. You're going to look like everybody else. You're going to be that me too agency. Right. And I mean, with the, with the clarity aspect of it, a lot of times the agency owners that I talk to are what I like to call like accidental agency owners. They get started because they, they have a skill in some sort of service, whether it's marketing, whether it's web development, design, whatever. And they do that through word of mouth. More people keep coming to them. They look around a couple of years later. They have a few employees, but they don't really have a plan because they haven't actually stopped to think about what is it that I want to get out of this business, out of this agency? And I feel like without that clarity, you're just going to be flying blind. And, and that's the first part of it. But you touched on the second system that I think is something that really can't be overstated, the importance of it, especially when starting out, and that's positioning. So in your mind, why is having that niche or having that clear positioning statement so important? Well, it's what separates you from everybody else. Like literally I look at my competition as cat videos and procrastination, right? I mean, literally, because if you think about it and, and how you need to position yourself, once you decide on that audience, you have to go deep. You have to drill down. Please don't say small business, right? right. That's not, <laughs> that's not a small audience. That's not a niche. It's a freaking huge audience, right? right? But you have to look at, like, even if you're looking at some of the big guys, right? Here's the biggest challenges. You look at a big guy and you'll start modeling exactly what they're doing. But what you should have done is modeled how they actually got there. And what you'll realize, like, use Facebook as an example. They started off with, you know, Harvard students, right? With Harvard, e you know, emails. And then Ivy League schools and then universities and high schools and then ex-boyfriends and girlfriends stalking their exes, right? So, you know, you've got to look at where they started. So start there. And then what you need to do is the focal point needs to be on the person that you're serving. So when you dive deep, you'll understand what they want. You'll understand their biggest challenges. And then you need to talk to them on that way. So here's what agencies do wrong all the time. They position all the focal point on themselves. So if you were telling a story, okay, you are making yourself Batman. If you make yourself Batman, you're making your visitor, your prospect, Robin. And he's wearing those ugly green tights. And so everybody in their own story wants to be Batman. And so if they are Batman, that needs to, you need to make yourself Alfred. You need to be the trusted advisor. Okay. So that trusted advisor, especially being an agency guys, I mean, come on, they're coming to you for advice. Stop taking you know, orders from your clients, give them advice. Don't give them options. Give them say, based on your challenge and where you're at and where you want to go, this is what you need to do. And then Batman can go do it. Right. From my experience, because I am the expert, this is what I think would work for and has worked for people in your similar situation. Exactly. And so that's how you need to change the focal point in the positioning. And then you've got to go through a couple different things, right? 
So you got to, you know, kind of list out, you know, what do they want, right? Figure out what do they want. So like my audience, they want to grow their agency faster and easier. So why do you think I say that on the website? (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking directly to what they want. Exactly. Then the next thing you have to do is you have to demonstrate empathy, right? You have to demonstrate that, hey, I understand your pain. And then you transition into authority being like, hey, I've been there. I've ran an agency for 12 years. I've sold it. And then you, you walk them through like a process, like walk them through your methodology, how it's going to actually work. Make them do a call to action and then show them what a successful or a bad ending looks like. But that's how you need to position your agency. Right. It's not about how many cups of coffee you drink or the latest and greatest buzzwords that you can fit in there. It's truly about positioning yourself as the clear choice who not only understands their pain, but has the expertise required to solve it for them. You got it. And no one cares about you. Like even on your about page, if you guys go to my about page right now, I don't mention anything about me until halfway down the page. Almost to the very end. Like I start off with a question. I mean, you know, and everybody thinks, well, about page should be about you. No. The about page is usually your, your highest traffic site after your homepage or landing pages because they're trying to figure out, do you understand and can you actually help? In that, especially in a market that seems like it's getting so crowded in, in the digital space, it really is hard to stand out. But if you look at the vast majority of agency websites over there, they're saying the same exact thing over and over again and barely even changing the word. So it's when you can dial in this positioning and really speak to the needs of your potential clients, then you will stand out. Then it is easier to say, hey, we're not like the other guys. We're not like the other gals. We know what we're talking about. We know how to help you because we understand your business. Yep, exactly. Once you have dialed that in, what's next? What system comes after this? So I'm going to use an analogy, okay? So you're at a networking event, and Andy walks up to you, (laughs) right? And immediately, the first version of Andy, 1.0, he starts talking to you all about how good Hubstaff is and how good their product is, all that, right? Well, immediately, you're going to go, Andy 1.0, how can the hell do I get away from you, right? Because it's all focused on you. Now, picture on the flip side, Andy 2.0 comes up, starts asking you questions, starts focusing the focal point on you. You're going to be like, man, I like this Andy. Yeah, because he's talking about you, right? So it's about your right offering. So after you get the right positioning, it's about which do you don't pitch marriage right off the bat. So you got to think about like if I'm selling SEO services, well, do I want to sell this huge retainer right off the bat, which is basically pitching marriage or being, you know, Andy 1.0 coming up to you going me, 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 me. But if can you slice off a part of your core service and then can you use what I call kind of the offer ladder in order to walk them up to the next level service package and then, you know, that Basically is an easier decision in the beginning, builds trust, shows them results, and then eventually you can charge them more than you would um, if you just start off with a retainer. So it comes down to the offering. Right. And at that stage, it's that roadmap, the initial service offering, whatever you do want to call it. It's that kind of often it's going to be paid discovery, but it's going to be something that is a much easier engagement for the client to purchase, both in terms of the commitment, in terms of their time, and also money. But it's something that's going to give them a taste for how you work, how you think. And 
if you are sophisticated enough to to get to this far, you're probably going to show them that, hey, I'm serious about this. I know how to help clients just like you improve it. And then the success rate of upselling from the roadmap to the full service offering is usually through the roof because at that point, they don't want to work with other agencies. They want to work with you as much as they can. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the the agencies I work with and the agencies that go through my programs that implement this, they're a thousand times further along than all the other agencies. They win the projects twice as fast. Their uh, lifetime value of the clients are significantly more, right? And they have long-term contracts and their assets are bigger. So then when they do go to eventually sell their agency if they want to, their valuation is so much more. Right. When when you work with clients on coming up with that initial offering, do you usually view it as some sort of paid discovery or how do you think about how to package this together? It always starts with some kind of paid discovery. You know, I always laugh um, at agencies. They go, yeah, let me give you a free consultation. Like literally, and we all see this all online. Like, and uh, like even just saying free consultation is like, like, I, it's almost, it reminds me of kind of like the, um, oh, what is it called? Like the timeshares, like I call them the crime shares, right? Like that's what I view a free consultation is like crime share. I mean, literally you have to sit down, you know, you're going to get pitched and you're not going to be able to get out of there and you're going to be stalked. Right. Versus like, if you can actually build trust, build value, right. And then offer them something that they need that they pay for. I mean, you're going to dominate. And once you do have this together and you kind of have refined it a bit, it's then time to obviously get leads, get prospects into the system that you've built. So how do you develop a system to help clients do that? Yeah. So you got to look at it in a a couple different channels. I'll cover two, right? And there's a lot more. Um, But you got to look at it, one, as an outbound channel, right? So a lot of – and I love my – my Facebook advertising agencies and lead generation agency. I love you guys to death, but you guys totally rely on all the business coming to you, which is good. But if Facebook makes a major change or some, something changes like the Google algorithms, penguin goes to zebra or whatever it is, right? I don't know what, what animal they are now, but, um, you know, let's say they do a major change. You're screwed. And so you need multiple channels. So an outbound channel is very important because then if you have that laser focused and you know who is your perfect client, like answer this. If you don't answer anything, if you don't get any value from this, I'll be surprised. But, you know, because Andy's so smart. And so if you don't, if you ask yourself this one question, if I had to be paid on performance alone, what service and what client and criteria would I go after? And that's who you need to be going after. And then come up with an outbound strategy, whether it be direct mail, meetups, events, networking, cold calls, picking up the phone. It, there is actually a thing called the phone that you can actually talk to people. <laughs> a lot of us have forgotten about that. Email. Did you hear of this brilliant advice? I've heard of this device, <laughs> <laughs> but so, but when you're, when you're asking yourself that question, it seems like to me, the, the goal of that is you're trying to figure out, all right, who can I provide the most value to? Exactly. And be specific. It all goes back to the first system clarity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then calling them up and offering them value. Like I did a podcast interview with Del Ross of IHG international hotel group. 
Uh, it was episode four. So if you go to our website, jasonswike.com slash four, you can listen to it. But he talks about exactly how can you cold call into the bigger brands and get their attention, even if they have 20 different agencies they're working with. Like literally, they had fifty to $60,000 of play money, play money, they wow. called it, <laughs> in order to test out agencies. And then once you get in there, then you can, you know, mole your way through the rest of the organization. There's a whole strategy to that. But you need to have some outbound. And then the other part goes back to the inbound, right? You know, too many agencies say, you know, Jason, Andy, I don't have time. I'm doing all this work for my client. I don't have time to blog. Or they pay an outsourced company to blog for them, which is the worst thing you can do because blogging sucks by itself. I'm going to tell you, like literally you're marketing like it's 1999 and Prince is dead. Okay. So stop doing that. You need some rich media, do a podcast, do video, put some personality behind it, put some effort behind it and get your, that tone and what you guys believe. It goes back to clarity I mean, I'm going to keep harping on that, but that's the foundation. You got to tell people what you believe and then people will be like, dude, we're, we're connected. Right. But if people if people aren't going to have time for blogging right now, how do you suggest that they approach this when it comes to video or audio or other forms of content that are even more involved than just writing a blog? So if you're too busy, that's a telltale sign you're not charging enough. So you need to raise your prices. The other part is you need to make time. Unless, or unless you want to be in the same cycle or you want to be the next blockbuster. I am perfectly fine with that. You know, it's the law of attrition, right? There's people that are not as educated as us or not willing to take the effort in order to do new things and your time will come where it will go down. And I want to put the fear of God into you that you will go down one day if you do not do something different and you keep doing something. I'm serious. I've talked to, I've helped over 20,000 agency owners in the past three years. And there's a common theme that I see with the successful ones and the ones that are not. The ones that are not, they keep saying, I'm just too busy. I get to it one day. And they're relying on hope. And hope doesn't float. When, especially with prospecting, with, with filling the top of your sales pipeline, it's like that is really the lifeblood of the agency. And so many agency owners, so many business people in general, is they'll make some effort on outbound, on inbound, whatever, when they need the work. And then when the work comes in, they stop and then they wonder why in a few months they don't have any clients. It's because it really does need to be a consistent effort as well. It needs to be taken seriously because without it, it's going to be very hard, if not possible, to truly build a thriving, growing agency. Yeah. And and the best agency that is a great example of this is Vandermedia and their head honcho, Gary Vanderchuk, right? There's a reason why he puts out so much content. And look, Putting out content, doing a podcast is one of the easiest things to do. I mean, you get a mic. Literally, you don't even – I've done some podcasts on my iPhone earbuds, okay? And literally going into Skype with a, a call recorder, interviewing people. And actually, having a podcast can be a lead generation source. Imagine this. You could call a CMO of Affleck say, I want to interview you. And then now you have a conversation with them and you probably can slide your way into there. I have many clients that do that. So you got to think about how do I stand out and not, and you can write blog posts based on the rich media content, but you better have some rich media behind it. 
And it's funny you mentioned that because I talked to James Carberry, who runs uh, Sweetfish Media, and they help B2B companies build podcasts and primarily leverage them as ways to get your foot in the door with high-value prospects because it's a much easier conversation to start when you say, hey, can I interview you, Mr. Busy Executive, rather than, hey, do you want to jump on a call so I can talk about how I want to sell you stuff? Yeah, so I could give you a timeshare. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that, that brings into the next step though, is that if you do have some regular prospects coming in, you need to actually close the deal. So what is your approach to sales? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to make sure you're talking to the right people. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something you guys are going to disagree with and then you'll go, oh yeah, he's kind of smart on this. Um, there's no such thing as a bad agency client. <laughs> there's not. There's only a bad prospect and a bad process. Okay. So now you're like, okay, you know what you're talking about now. So a lot of times you're letting in the bad prospect, right? That's why I like doing kind of what I call the foot in the door, you know, the paid discovery, that kind of stuff. But also it comes down to qualifying them and making sure that they're the decision maker, making sure they have a budget. You have to ask, imagine this, imagine if you asked them if they had a budget and they actually told you, right? Wouldn't that be nice rather than spending all this time doing a proposal and then only to find out that they don't have a budget. And so you can ask them the budget, um, you know, making sure that the needs match up, making sure the timing. So like I, I always use like a checklist with our salespeople. It's called NBAT, need, budget, authority, and timing. So you have to go through that and qualify them. Then once you qualify them, then you go into what I call the three eyes. What's your biggest issue? What's the impact on your business and how important is it to you? All right. So we're asking questions. We're putting, a, we're having them come up, coming up with a value of, you know, what is this problem costing them? So then when I say it's a million dollars for this engagement, they don't be like, that's a lot. Be like, but I just showed you how to make 10 million. So, or whatever ratios that you guys are going after. I mean, we went after big deals, but you know, to let you guys know, we, I start off at $500 website, so I've seen it all on that part. So you just got to kind of, you know, make sure that the right prospect for you, like you're in the driver's seat. If you don't get anything else away from this, you're in the driver's seat. You can take on the people you want. So many people forget that. Big time. And they're just like, oh, I need to make payroll. But if you take on the wrong prospect, it's going to cost you more. And also too, think about opportunity cost. Not many people f talk about this, which is really concerns me because everybody just talks about the top line revenue. Who gives a poop on that, right? So let's say you take on a deal for 10,000, but you normally do the same amount of work at 40,000. Well, the opportunity cost is 30,000. Yes, you're going to make the 10,000, but who cares, right? You, you're costing yourself 30000 for the other clients that you could have worked with, that you, you're, now you're maxed out. And, and your profit margins are going to stink. So, you know, really, guys, focus on, like, if you didn't have to concentrate on any other number, know what the profit is after you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's something where, one, I, I don't think a lot of agency owners can answer the question of what was your actual profit on that last project you had one because they're just not tracking things closely enough um, and that is where small pitch I think Hubstaff can help but beyond that though it's having that insight into the fact that different 
clients have different values. Not every client is going to be worth the same amount to you. And so if you just, if you have a loose qualification process, you're going to really hurt your margins rather than focusing on the best clients and letting them come in. And that's how you get to those 40, 45% margins that most agency owners can only dream of. Yeah. And look, if you think 20% margins are good, they're not. Like that, like the service bureau in the U S I know there's lots of people listening to this all over the world. Um, but in the U S the service industry is the standard is right around 32%. Okay. So meaning if you think you're doing good job because other agencies said 20% is really good or 15%, you're not. I mean, yes, it's, it's good. You're in the black. Don't get me wrong, but it can be a lot better. And I want you guys to think bigger rather than thinking smaller, right? Just don't think about for the next month and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm at 20% cool, right? Think bigger. You're, you're the, when I've interviewed, I've interviewed so many other eight figure agency owners. And the biggest thing that is separating the eight figure, nine figure agencies from the smaller ones or maybe where you guys are at, or, or maybe you guys are that big, but maybe you want to get to a trillion. I don't know. But the biggest thing holding you back is your mind and second guessing yourself and thinking small. That's so great. And I mean, there is a certain point, especially for smaller agency owners, where payroll really is a major concern. It's not like you have to just immediately day one, turn away all the prospects who aren't absolutely perfect, but make progress towards that ideal. Keep the long term in mind so that you actually do get to a point in time where you're able to turn away some of those prospects rather than just staying in the same cycle you're in right now. You got it. Yep. And a lot of the high margins comes from this qualification process and just making sure you're working with the right clients. But beyond that, after the sale, after you're actually working with these clients and delivering the services, that's where you're going to make sure you keep a lot of those margins by actually being efficient and having processes to deliver efficiently. So how do you think about the delivery of the services? Yeah, so, I mean, and, and that's so important because a lot of people – are really good at marketing. They're really good at sales, but they stink at delivery. And it's a lot easier to grow your agency based on people that already trust you and that have already given you money. So if someone's given you money, they're 20 times more likely to give you more of it. We, we like this concept. I, I really like this concept. And so why not try to, you know, you know, not like, and if you're anything like me, like I remember in my agency, like I had to bring in account managers because I stink at this. Okay. So like I'm the hunter, like I'm like, let me go kill that big rhino. I'm not going to kill a rhino. I love animals. I can't even kill a bee, but let me go kill this big client. Not literally. <laughs> well, you'd rather kill the client than the that rhino? I'd rather kill the client. Yeah. I, I have no problem killing the client, right? <laughs> um, the bad prospect that came in, but I'm going to go slay them. And then I want to go on to the next, right? Because I like the hunt. I like the game. Right. I'm not the farmer. I don't like to wait around. So you got to bring in people that are good at that or think about how can I automate a lot of this and think about it in the like I heard. I can't remember the guy. I, I, I heard this keynote and it's so true. The first hundred days are the most important when you get a new client. So how can you wow them? So he did a lot of research on banks and think about like the banking industry. Like if you switch a bank, it's a pain in the butt, right? You got to, you know, all the auto billing and all that kind of stuff that links up to it. 
And most people that when they switch their banks, they leave the bank within the 100 days. How bad was that service? Like you had to do that. And so think about like when they engage with you, the first decision, the first thing they're going to be thinking when they sign the contract with you, did I make the right decision? So how can you wow them? So like when people buy my agency playbook or jump in the agency university or work with me, I send them a custom video. Like, hey, Andy, just want to let you know you made the right decision. Here's how it's going to work. And it's a personal video of me. I literally have their name on my iPad. I'm holding it up so they know it's like the thumbnail of like, how did he automate this? Right? And then at the end, I'll be like, this was all automated. I'm the most, I'm the most genius person in the world. And then I just start laughing. Like, there's no way to automate this. Um, and so like, you got to wow them. Or think about like, how can I just go over and beyond what they're expecting? Now, I'm not saying over-servicing them, right? Because it's going to cut into profit. But do things that are, you know, like the video idea or, you know, don't send them stupid flowers or knife kits or any like that. But it has to be personalized or just make sure the communication is there, right? Communication is the most probably the most important part of everything in, in, the, in an engagement. Like you have to make sure that the client understands exactly what's coming, if they don't understand that and you don't have a well-defined delivery process or a delivery system, you're going to be eaten alive in scope creep, um, which no one likes, right, which cuts into profit, and then the client leaving. So the delivery process is, is crucial. And then really the next really comes down to operations, guys, and making sure that um, – you have systems to check the KPIs, uh, that you're increasing your cash flow, that um, you have the right people in the right seat, going back to like the good to great. That's like one of the only books I've ever read. Well, I read half of it and then I got bored. But, but it's a really good concept about like having the right people in the right seat on the right bus and coming up with what's that right structure and understanding what you do really well and what you suck at. Right. And it's like you were talking about before how you're the classic hunter. And that's okay as long as you have people in place in the right roles to help complement that. Yeah. And if you're not the, if you're the smartest room, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. You want to be the dumbest person in the room when you're running an agency, a successful one. You want people so much better than you. Like a sign of a good leader is giving them the creativity and the freedom to make decisions on their own. And, and that really comes down to having the right org chart, the right people, the, uh, you know, um, and knowing what you, what you're good at, what you don't. Right. And if you don't have that, then it's going to be the typical agency where you feel like you have to micromanage everything and that you're the one person holding it all together. You got it. That's right. And then, you know, then the last system really is around leadership. And what I talk about here is, is you need to transform yourself from an agency owner to an agency CEO, <laughs> right? So, and all you go owners out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, like you're like cleaning the toilets and putting out the fires, calling clients, putting out, you know, all this stuff, right? And you really need to have four or five roles tops, and I'll describe these in a second. So like the first one is, is setting the vision and direction of the agency and communicating it often, right? 
if you're not communicating it often, remember what I told you in the very beginning. Your employees are going to make decisions based on what's better for them rather than the agency. If you communicate where you're going and people can get behind that and believe it, like think about like Zappos, like their whole core value is around wowing you and like staying on the phone and getting you pizza, like doing all these amazing things for you. And they're a shoe company. So, you know, they get around like Tony's message and all that kind of stuff that the management team created. So you got to do that. The other part is, is coach and mentor your leadership team only. If everybody in your organization is reporting to you, ah, man, you're going to be stressed out. And, And your whole job is to make your employees and your team better than when they actually came in, both personally and uh, business and financially and all that, right? And if you understand that, your employees will do anything for you. I'm going to stop Jason right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Jason. To back up a little bit, typically, how large do you think an agency should be? And obviously, this is going to vary, but what rules of thumb or how would you think about it as an agency owner if you're growing an agency? How big does it need to be before you actually need to get that leadership team in place? Because I know a lot of agencies do mimic what the larger agencies do and they can kind of prematurely scale. So when does it start to make sense to hire other leadership outside of you, the agency owner? Right when you get around about five people and it, then it depends on what you're good at, what you're not good at. Right. So if you're really bad at operations and you're good in sales then you want to hire a VP of operations, right? If you're really good at operations, you need to hire a VP of sales. Okay. So, and there's a thousand different scenarios that we could go into there, but you should never have more than five direct reports. Five is pushing it. What size was your agency when you sold in terms of number of staff? little over 100. Okay. Even with that structure, what, did you only have five direct reports? Uh-huh. That's right. And who were they? Like, what were their roles? Uh, VP of marketing and sales, uh, VP of operations, VP of uh, client engagement, um, and then um, CFO. Okay. And I mean, that's the thing is because I, I like how you kind of phrase this last system as the transition from agency owner to agency CEO, because this is truly what's necessary to grow long-term, to truly build something that can be acquired. But even if it's not, it, it still is an agency that's able to attract the talent you need to build something worthwhile, to build something really profitable and that can grow. And without that mindset, you're really just not going to be able to do that because you can't get there by micromanaging and you wouldn't want to get there by micromanaging. 
Yeah. And you can't do it all yourself. Right. I don't care who you are. There's, there's uh, other people that can give you that outside perspective or that second opinion. Um, and you know, so those are two critical roles that you need to do. The other one is understand the financials. You don't have to be like a whiz bang at Google or spreadsheets or whatever. Like I'm not like, but I can, I'm smart enough to know what questions I need to ask the CPA or my bookkeeper or the CFO. Right. So you want to be able to ask those. Um, so you need to understand the financials. You need to assist in sales and building the key relationships. Now the key word is assist, not do all of it. <laughs> right. Um, and then the last part is, is, and this is one of the most important parts outside of setting the vision and direction is be the face of the brand. You need to be out there building the brand. When you're the face of the brand, this is something that I, I do hear a lot from is that a lot of times the agency owner, even when it's grown to 20 plus people, 30 people, the agency owner feels like they have to do more than assist with the sale. They feel like they are almost responsible for it when they are the face of the brand. How do you kind of counter that? You got to position your employees better than you are. I mean, the, the best example is one example where he went, went over, Gary Vanderchuk. Do you think Gary is working on all of their clients' projects? Hell no, right? But he's set the foundation. He's set the structure. He set the process for other people to follow. And then he and, and he's just like me. He'll, he'll say, look, you don't want me managing your project. I'm ADD, dude. Like, I'm gone. I've killed the gorilla. I'm off to the next. Like, I'm not going to remember you, right? But Sally over here, she is the best account manager in the world. She understands this strategy. And also, too, you got to introduce, like if you're assisting in sales, you got to introduce your team early, right? But you're still the one that needs to be putting out the videos, doing the podcast interviews, doing the speaking gigs, going out there, putting yourself out there that puts a face on a logo. If you're just the logo, you're doomed. Everything you've been talking about, it all makes perfect sense to me. And I mean, I, I've been the past year or so, I've really dove into systems and the power of process and all of that. And there's one book that I would recommend. It's called Work the System. It, it can get a little bit uh, tedious, but the point of it is just the value of having systems in place. Because if the average agency owner is like what I think they're like, where they're complaining about constantly putting out fires, constantly feeling like they're the only one holding all together. They can't step away. Any of that systems are going to help save you. But one thing that I've been trying to get a better handle on myself is just how you actually manage these systems, how you actually keep track of them. So how do you actually set up these systems in an agency so that they're really followed? You start with one and knock that one out and go on to the next, but you got to start in order too, right? The order that I just walked you guys through from, you know, the clarity, positioning, offering, you know, prospecting, sales, uh, delivery operations and leadership, those are all in order for a reason. And they all go back to the foundational systems, which is clarity, um, positioning and uh, offering. So, but just look, I've gone through eight of them. And don't get overwhelmed, right? When you get overwhelmed, you got to make a list and figure out what's the biggest thing I need to do first. Do the first thing first. Do I have a vision and a belief or, and core values that I can communicate to our team? Do we have that perfect ideal prospect that we're going after? 
that when someone sees our website, they're like, dude, you've been bugging my office. Like if you went to my website and you're an agency owner, you're going to be like, dude, you've been talking about like your podcast and your blogs are like every topic I have struggles with. Right. So when you do that, then you're going to start dominating the marketplace. And, but the other thing too, and everybody will tell you this, you have to be patient, but consistent. That's why I was telling you with your podcast, you guys have been in a year. So right about now is probably when you're going to get a huge, you know, um, you know, push, right? Like, you know, going forward, like it's going to be like this momentum's like pushing you and you guys are like, what just happened to our business? Well, it's growing because you, you guys have been consistent and, and relevant and all that kind of stuff. So, and yeah, it's the act of kind of stacking the bricks and slowly building something that will pick up the momentum and get you to where you are when there is that tipping point sort of moment. And for a lot of these systems, I don't think they necessarily need to be super detailed and written in a 17 step SOP, (laughs) But but for some of them having a little bit more detail is probably helpful. So in your mind, do you tend towards that hyper detailed kind of SOP with the binder of all these processes or where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I'm not a big component of the huge, you know, standard operating procedures binder, right? That no one's ever going to, you know, thing. This is a living and breathing organism that's always going to be changing and always needs to change and adapt. Once you finish it, great. You're going to have to redo it because you're going to be at a different level. And so my biggest thing is, is just do one little thing at a time and just, you know, get that and then go on to the next. And then you can always circle back when you go through. So like agency owners that have been doing this 10 years, you know, you you could probably go through, you know, the systems a thousand different times and it would always be different, but you need to just keep always knowing that everything's changing, especially in our market, right? Technology marketing changes faster than anything else out there. And this is one of the fastest growing markets too, because there's really no barrier to entry. Anybody that knows how to do something cool in marketing or design or development can get into it. So you have so much competition but the cool thing is, is if you set up the right systems, you start executing on it, you're going to reap the benefits. But the thing is, you got to take action. That's what holds back to everybody. They just work on their clients. They don't work on themselves. And I think that is an amazing point that really can't be emphasized too much. And, and this, everything you've talked about, it really is a process. It's not like you build these systems, you put this down on paper, and then it's done with. This is always an iterative process where you're constantly improving and refining. And so I'm glad you stress that because I know a lot of people just resist process in general, but you, you can't do that and run a successful agency at scale but you also don't have to jump in with both feet right away. It's taking that first small step. So on that point, if listeners see the value in systems and appreciate what you've been talking about, but they're curious about, all right, what is something I can do right now to get started? What is one of those first steps that they could take? Well, just taking action okay. figure out like, and if you guys want to kind of a list of systems, I'm sure Andy will put in the, into the show notes. So just go through, you know, the list and going rank yourself. I, I literally think like write down all eight systems and rank yourself on a scale one to 10 of 10 being the best and see where you're the weakest at. And if you're the weakest at prospecting, well then go back a couple systems and going, well, am I weak at prospecting? Cause I don't have a niche <laughs> and I have a crappy offering. 
right? So then you can kind of start figuring out why rather than just executing for no apparent reason. I think that's really good advice. And so before we wrap up, though, I'd like to ask all my guests a few rapid-fire questions. So I'm going to go through them quickly. Your responses don't need to be too short, though. And so the first one is just, right now, what do you spend too much time doing? Probably responding to agency owners on email. Like, I, like I respond to every comment. If you go to my contact page, it opens up Facebook Messenger, and I, I respond to everybody. So I spend a lot of time doing that. But I don't regret doing that. Like, I love doing it. What do you think you should be spending more time doing? Creating more content, but that's what I'm doing. So bad, bad answer. <laughs> there's got to there's be something where you're like, man, I wish there were more hours in the day so I could really double down on this or maybe not. There really isn't. I mean, I, I literally set up a lot of different systems in my business that I could literally be hit by a bus tomorrow and people would not know for the next six months because we have the content, emails, everything planned out other than me getting on new interviews. And I mean, I think that's just speaks a lot to the power of the approach that you've laid out there is because when you have followed through with this process, you're just so much more efficient and effective with your time that you're actually able to focus on the parts of the business that need the focus. So, I mean, I think that answer speaks a lot to what you've been talking about, but with that, what are you actually hoping to accomplish with your business in the next quarter? Um, next quarter, just keep reaching more people, building the awareness. That's the biggest thing. If I can get in front of agency owners and help them out, then they'll have a resource that I wish I had. And it all starts with, you know, the top of the funnel and just making them aware because agency owners don't know, uh, like, there's people that can actually help them. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems crazy, but, it, but it's, it's true. What do you see as the biggest obstacle that you'll need to overcome to get there, to achieve that goal? You know, just making sure I'm not missing a platform that's going to be, you know, the, the platform that you can really leverage, right? So... Podcast has been huge for me. Facebook's been huge for me, right? With creating groups, um, you know, just making sure I stay up to date with all the different technology and just staying relevant. I, that's always my biggest fear is is staying relevant. That's why I'm always adapting and implementing faster than anybody else out there because I need to be ahead of everybody in order to give recommendations because I don't want to give people theories. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think this works. Go try it. Like I want to be, I want to be the guinea pig. I, I want to be the first, the bloody person through the wall first and then be like, all right, so I can shelter you and, and then you can get a couple scratches. Do you think there's ever any chance that you'll launch another agency? Or are you having too much fun doing what you're doing right now? I'll never say never, but this is the coolest thing I've ever done ever. Like, and it provides everything I've ever needed and wanted. Like it, and at the end of the day, like when I sold my agency, I had success, but success is freaking lonely. And my significance was taken away because I didn't have the people reporting to me. I didn't have that team of something that we were creating. So I was always looking for that significance. And then when I found this and I started helping agency owners and, and seeing them, you know, get the value and go through things quicker than I did. And, you know, winning those big clients or being help have more time with their family or whatever they wanted, you know, I felt significant again. And so um, that's what I love doing. 
I, I think that is a great answer. I mean, it, it really speaks to just kind of who you are as a person and how you do approach business. So I thank you for that. And at the beginning of the show, I said you would set the bar relatively high, but I think we cleared it. So nice work on that. You can pat yourself on the back. You lived up to the hype. (laughs) (laughs) But so before I do say goodbye, I want to ask you is that if listeners have been appreciating what you've been talking, if they see the value in these systems, if they want to learn more, where is the best place for them to go to do that? Yeah, uh, there's two places I'll send to you guys, depending on what you guys want. If you want to dive deeper into the systems and get access to all the agency documents and strategies and everything that we're, we were talking about, but be able to kind of have me walk you through it, go to theagencyplaybook.com, theagencyplaybook.com. And then, you know, the other part that I'll, I'll send to you is, is, you know, I do a weekly show as well on iTunes and YouTube and all over the place, every different channel you can put <laughs> out there. Uh, I have you guys on there as well. So, um, go, just go to my website, jasonswank.com, uh, and Jason or Swank is spelled S W E N K. I'm not related to Hillary. Uh, it's spelled with an E and, uh, and, and check it out. I put out about 75% of my knowledge for absolutely nothing, which is a good price, right? Yeah. It's, right, affordable it's a good price. And, uh, and definitely check out all the, the content there and, uh, and that will help and, and guide you along. But if you, uh, and then uh, I'd love to hear from you guys and uh, think about what you guys thought on the show. Like I said, if you click on the contact page, it's not a contact page. It goes right to Facebook Messenger and WeChat. And I saw that on your site and that was the first time I've really seen that. And I was like, all right, because I had this sort of internet marketer mindset. I'm like, how is he gaming this? But it just goes straight to you. There's no, there's no like trickery. Yeah, there, it starts off with two Jason bot questions just to segment you and to give me a little bit like, all right, who am I talking to? And then uh, then it is me. And like you can even make me prove it. Like I'll send you a voice memo. I'll be like, dude, Andy, did I confuse you? Are you an agency owner? Or are you starting one? <laughs> and then it always freaks people out. And they're like, oh, crap. How'd you how'd you bought that one? I was exactly. like, That's cool. That's cool. But no, so I'll get all of that linked up in the show notes. And if you are curious about this, if you do want to get more, please check those resources out. But Jason, thank you so much for everything you shared with us today. It was a lot of fun chatting. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And guys, go take action, please. It's always great talking with Jason because he clearly gets the big picture of building and growing an agency. And he can share that picture in a way that just makes sense. I'm not going to try to summarize all eight systems that he laid out for you right here. For that, you should head over to blog.hubstaff.com and check out the show notes where we do give a really good summary, if I do say so myself. But for now, I'm just going to quickly run through them. First is clarity. Second, positioning. Third, offering. Fourth, prospecting. Fifth, sales. Sixth, delivery. Seventh, operations. And eighth, leadership. And even after doing this many interviews, this is number 76, I honestly can't think of anything that isn't encompassed by one of these eight systems. And Jason is definitely right that most of us only dream of 40 and 45% margins. And if that seems completely impossible to you, even after this interview, just know that implementing and improving those systems will help you get there eventually. And it's not going to happen overnight or maybe even ever, but this gives you a clear path forward to better margins and more profit at the end of 
of the day. If you want a deep dive into what some of those specific systems could look like in practice, check out episode 75 for Brent Weaver's take on sales and go all the way back to episode 6 for my interview with Philip Morgan on positioning. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya.